Welcome to Vida I Wish I Knew Then, a safe space where modern Latinas share their healing journeys on how to build confidence and are now breaking barriers. I'm your host, Jess, and this podcast will talk about our cultura and speak on topics we wish we knew before, of course, with a little Spanglish twist. Let's get started. Hello, hello, amigas. Welcome to another exciting episode of Vida. I wish I knew then. Whether you're a loyal listener or new to the show, todas bienvenidas. I hope that you will continue to join us for more engaging, exciting, heartwarming episodes. Today is a special day as I have someone very dear to my heart with me. Mi media naranja, mi mango con tajín, my butter sugar muffin. Okay, okay, okay. I'll stop. <laughs> yes, my husband. Yes, you heard that right. It's the first time that we have a male speaker on the show and I couldn't be more thrilled that it happens to be my husband. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about our relationship and his journey as my husband supporting me throughout my mental health journey, as well as uh, my journey in bringing awareness to mental health through my social media platforms as well as my podcast. Our upbringings were completely different and we're going to share some of those experiences on the show including the story on how we met. His name is Greg. He's a very talented graphic designer and a self-taught musician. So without further ado, let's dive right in and get started with this special episode. Uh, so tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself. What, what, what do you do for a living? Um, what do you do for fun? Aside from, you know, being my husband. <laughs> um, that's all the fun I need, right? <laughs> Um, so growing up, uh, I've always been interested in, in art and uh, design related stuff, music related stuff. So I would say my hobbies include both as far as uh, my career. Same thing. Uh, I work as a brand and graphic designer, my regular nine to five, and then my hobbies would be more music related, um, playing guitar and working in music projects. Awesome. Fun fact, uh, Greg is actually the one that designed, uh, what do you call it, the thumbnail for my podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I have gotten a lot of compliments for that. So thank you. Um, I want to share a little bit about how we met. I think I often get this question on how we met and it's not your traditional story um that a lot of i mean everybody has their way of meaning right but i feel like ours is not very traditional <laughs> so do you want to no. tell them a little bit about how we met yeah um and i think it's funny i enjoy hearing you tell the story because it always starts out with we met twice the same night so um even if <laughs> it didn't work out the first time we met again so that would have been like a second chance Oh. Uh, but, but yeah, um, we first met at a bar and it was like a regular walking past someone saying hello, introducing yourself. And then later on, as the night went on, we both had a few more drinks and we bumped into each other again. And that time it was a lot different than the first time we were both more, I would say, tipsy, you know, just being a little silly with each other. 
And uh, yeah, it's always a lot of fun hearing uh, you tell the story because I get to relive the memory. <laughs> yeah. So um, let me let me back it up a little bit. So when before I met uh, Greg, I had two friends that were just had turned twenty one, and I was really excited to kind of show them the um, the over twenty one life experience, not nightlife. And we were supposed to go to this place in Long Beach called Sevillas, um, but we we were young, we were broke, and we wanted to go in before they started charging. And of course, being girls, we didn't make it on time. We had to be there before 10 and it was already what, like 11.30. So I had texted a couple friends saying, hey, what are you guys doing? And we ended up being at the same bar where Greg was at. And the funny, even there was even a funnier part to it too. There was a big old long line to get in and there was no chance that we were going to get in. So there was like a, a, a bus of bachelors and we started playing along with them. We're like, hey, hi. We started making this video commotion and we got into the bar um so that's when i met with greg and like he said we met twice i often ask that question what do you want the serve the sober version or the tipsy version <laughs> um the first version of the sober version uh, we made eye contact i think it was by the bar right and mm-hmm. um he at this time i was kind of over boys i didn't want anything to do with boys and um he approached me gave me his business card i gave him my business card and then towards the end um when they were closing the bar we had already had a few dreams and i was walking back to the car and i saw this guy that caught my eye he was about to like lit this cigarette on fire or not on fire but lit it up and i yanked it out of his mouth and i was like don't you know that cigarettes kill you and you know you looked at me and i freaked out because like oh shoot what the heck did i just do and you're like what did you Mm -hmm. say i i feel like i always butcher this little part it was kind of cheesy i mean i normally wouldn't say this to a girl that i just met but because (laughs) you were so close to my face I figured I have to make a move, right? So I think what I said was, no one has ever gotten that close to my face without kissing me. And you just pecked me really quick. It was innocent, you know. It was not a big deal, but it was, it made my night. <laughs> yeah. And then the next day, um, I recall getting a, a text message from this like random phone number. And it says something about like, thanks for my kiss or thanks for my peck. And I freaked out because like, oh my God, what just happened? And, you know, after the calculations, it turns out that it was you from the first time that I met <laughs> the first mm-hmm. guy that I met the first round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I figured, you know, you were a good looking girl. I figured you're probably going to get a lot of texts from random guys. Um, so I tried to include the kissing comment <laughs> because hopefully you would remember it with me. <laughs> I don't know. I received like five kisses. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Probably. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, awesome. Anyways, um, I I don't think that you really mention what you do as a hobby aside from when you're not working um, as a graphic designer. What are some of the things that you do as a hobby? And the reason why I want to bring this up is just because you and I have two hobbies of, of our own and I don't think that it would be possible if we didn't have the balance that we have created. And I think it's pretty cool. 
um, that we kind of allow each other to do our own thing because it's important to have that little piece of happiness that we have individually. Right. I think that's very, very important. Mm-hmm. So um, tell us a little bit about um, what you do as a hobby and how do you feel about um, about what I do as a podcaster? Sure. Uh, as far as my hobby, I think it's super important that a person gets to have that outlet to be creative, to relax, to do something they enjoy. And having a partner that understands that is of the utmost importance because if they have an issue with your hobby, you're not going to live a happy life. And you need that. You need that for work-life balance. Um, and I have always liked that about us is that you you don't look at my music projects as him just hanging with the boys. You understand that it's a passion, that it's something inside that you need to do. And me being understanding of that, I've always sort of seen you as someone who should be in the media, whether it's something small like a YouTube channel, you know, or or a full-on big multi-million watcher podcast. You know, it's I understand that you enjoy doing that kind of media um, type of hobbies. So that's what made me understand. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. And by the way, Greg, is a very uh, talented guitar player. He's self-taught electric guitar to be uh, more exact. And he actually had shows before and he traveled a little bit. What are some of the states that you uh, travel to to play or what kind of music do you play as well? If you want to tell us. I really haven't traveled much. I mean, it's been just short road trips. We played all over LA. We played, uh, we've driven to Las Vegas to play a show there. I played two or three shows in Las Vegas and also played in Phoenix, Arizona. Yes. And um, just to kind of give you my point of view, when Greg plays, you know, he's upstage and some of the bands, the cover bands that he has played before um, are pretty popular and have a big following. And there are a lot of girls that, um, have <laughs> they're Greg's groupies. I'm gonna say it. He no, doesn't want to admit just it. Fans. <laughs> okay, they're fans. Tell me, uh, it, actually, I want to keep elaborating on this. Um, there's been times where uh, girls have actually gone up to Greg, and you know, like a normal fan, they will want to take pictures with him. Um, I believe someone was actually asking you for your autograph. Uh, was it on her hand or on her chest? Do you remember where she was asking for that autograph? I, I asked her where she wanted me to draw something on her and I asked her where and she said wherever you want <laughs> so I just grabbed her hand and threw like a quick little logo of the, the band name <laughs> so, so that, I don't know that kind of stuff makes it fun you know you're giving the, the people an experience yeah absolutely cool. and, and when I share these stories with my friends they're like what girl you don't get mad you don't get jealous and I really don't Uh, honestly because uh, again I know that this is a hobby I know what you're doing you're coming back home to me and you're taking me to your shows I mean I don't always go to your shows but it's more because it's my choice not to go um so again I think it's it's just having that trust amongst each other in in our marriage um and just letting us be in in our own little worlds of that brings us happiness um 
Awesome. So let me switch gears here. Um, you and I have been together for, I, I lose track, babe. It's, been 12... it's been so long. After 10 years, I kind of lost count. <laughs> I, I think, think we met in 2011 uh, on April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. Uh -huh. That's another fun factor. So it's been 12 years, I guess. 12 years, 12 years that we have we known each other. And I feel one of the things that you often mention to me is I feel like every day I learn something new from you. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how long you've been with someone, I feel like you're constantly learning things about them um, because the longer you know someone, the more they're going to tell you about their past, right? Their childhood and all those kind of things shape the person you are today. Yeah. Yeah. So I often share, especially now that I have a podcast, because I do a lot of reflecting of my past since it is very connected to mental health. Um, I often share stories with Greg and um, and he shares some of his stories as well. And it's absolutely true. Like we were constantly learning um, from each other. But one of the things that I have realized is how different you and I grew up. Mm -hmm. um, we have we're both Latinos. We're both Mexican American, um, but our, our upbringing was so completely different. Um, totally different. Yeah. Have you found that um, as a challenge being in a yes. relationship? Yes. Yeah, but I mean, there's always going to be challenges, no matter what. You can be two people that grew up the exact same way, but maybe your family was different, your relationship with your dad was different, or with your mom, or all kinds of things. You no, know? and there's never going to be a hundred percent of an exact. Uh, way of thinking and there shouldn't be there shouldn't be that's how you're going to learn uh more about yourself too about what things that you can do differently yeah what are some of the i'm going to start with the positive here what is the one thing that is different um that you have noticed that is different that you actually enjoy it in something that you're like you know what i want esra our our toddler to um grow up with this thing that just is bringing to the characteristic family. yes Yes, uh, right off the bat. Ezra loves to dance. He hears a song and right away he starts moving, you know, uh, and that's totally you, <laughs> completely. <laughs> it's, it's cool. It makes him happy. It makes, uh, those kind of things make a person enjoy life and more fun to be around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm always at the dance floor. If we're at a party and you need to find me, um, just look at the dance yeah. floor. I will be you there. You don't need a dance floor. You just hear a song and start dancing. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Um, I'm going to join you. I think one of the things that, um, that is different from you, um, that was not necessarily part of my growing up and I actually learned to appreciate it is the cleanliness. Um, I see it in Ezra. I feel like Ezra is a spit image of you when it comes to your little OCD. Yes, um, so funny. And I appreciate it because it, it does bring me peace of mind knowing that my kid is learning how to pick up after himself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's very organized. Yeah, yeah, he he sure is. Like he's a little four year old with an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What are some of the challenges that um, you have experienced from my, you know, from my upbringing into this marriage? How much time do we have? 
<laughs> so uh, I'll say an obvious one, um, and this has to do with the the way I grew up with my family. It's not so much that my parents were strict, right, and made us clean right away. It's we grew up half of our lives in a restaurant because my family's own restaurants. In a restaurant, you're always moving. You never stand still, not for one second, because if even if there's no customers, you can grab a rag and clean the table. You're constantly moving. So for me, I had to kind of put it in my mind that not everybody has that way of thinking. So sometimes when I come home, if I see you or even Ezra or even with Darren when he was a little bit younger, if people are just sitting down, I feel the OCD. It hits me because of the way I grew up in being in the restaurant. So that's probably for me the biggest challenge is that I'm used to doing things right away Mm -hmm. um, and then relax. It feels like a reward for me. But seeing the opposite of that, is, is hard sometimes mm-hmm. and we uh, work around it I guess yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that like mirrored my challenge in the marriage like mm-hmm. that was the obstacle or that was a challenge for me in particular because I I've seen my mom work so hard for so long and she was always like laying down to catch a breath um she mm-hmm. didn't work for herself she worked for other um, manufacturing companies so just seeing her tired kind of just i don't know like it, we didn't have the urgency of maintaining everything clean because we were doing the hard work outside of the house right um and for me in particular yeah i was young and all but i was taking care of my sisters um, I was like the mom. So I did do chores around the house. But obviously, as a 13 year old, it's not going to be like your spotless clean house. Um, I right. still cooked, I still cleaned. Um, so having the house spotless was not necessarily a priority for us because we had other survive survival needs. And that right. was to bring money to the or food to the table. Right. Um, so yeah, what's another thing that you feel that um, was different from us growing up? And um, you can act now as a grown up, like you could see, like oh, I understand why that could be an issue or why that was a challenge for her. Mm-hmm. Um, just to make sure I understand, you're talking about when we were children, uh, differences from when I was a kid and when you were a kid. No, I guess. Yeah. I guess like you asking yourself a question, like, why is she this particular way, like like a way that you don't understand? And then later on being with me, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the first uh, comment about how we grew up different. Um, my family was more constantly moving. We wouldn't actually clean a lot. It was more that if we see her doing nothing, that that felt wrong. Like you should do something productive, whether it was cleaning or doing some kind of activity. Um, and then like late night, nobody would do anything because it was bedtime. Um, but I think for me, that's probably the biggest difference. Um, obviously growing up differently, because like you said, when your mom got home, that was her leave me alone time. I just want to be, able, I just need rest. So that's, I think the biggest difference. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that you're alone when you say that you guys were always on the move, because I feel like that's a very, uh, very common with Latinos, um, mm-hmm. um, that they feel like you, they always have to be doing that, especially like the older generation. Um, if they see, um, I know that one of my best friends growing up, um, she always constantly had to be doing something or her father would 
tell her something like parate or haz algo or yeah. you know she couldn't complain about anything in particular because she um had to be doing something like cleaning um <laughs> in order for for her to justify her feelings um i hope that makes sense yeah uh, similar to our saturday morning growing up i mean when we were kids between probably the age of four and six we had we would have regular saturday mornings where we'd wake up seven in the morning, make a big bowl of cereal, sit in front of the TV. You know, every kid loved that. A couple years later, I think I might have been seven or eight, and my Saturday morning were, levantense cabrones. <laughs> we had to get ready and go with my parents to the mm-hmm. restaurant. They wanted us to experience what it was to work. And I think one time we had this conversation where it made my perspective change on this. Um, I looked at my upbringing as, oh, we were hardworking. And you said, no, not everyone had that privilege of being able to work on a Saturday. My family had a restaurant and that alone a privilege because there's people that want to work and they can't. And me and my sister grew up with this mentality of working all the time. That itself is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't have that clean up on Saturdays thing because again, um, my mom wasn't home. My mom was working. <laughs> So I didn't have anybody to tell me parate, limpia, or whatever the case was. Um, anyways, um, so just like touching base on all of this, um, I want to move on to my mental health journey. I think that um, you more than anyone has witnessed my journey with my mental health. First of all, I didn't even know it was a thing. Um, I don't know if you knew it was a thing. Um, but I feel like as I discovered this new world, um, you have been learning about it along with me as well. Um, do you want to share with us a little bit about your experience on your point of view, like what you have witnessed? Because I'm constantly sharing like what I feel. Um, but I feel like when someone is going through a mental health journey and self-love and just trying to improve themselves, it spills over or trickles down to whoever surrounds them so Mm -hmm. um you as my husband um we would like to hear what have you witnessed from the very beginning till now right so the first time i started witnessing this um mental health decline with you i didn't know that what it was the first signs i saw was when you were pregnant and to me it was just oh this is normal this is hormones uh, mood swings this is regular stuff that women go through. But later on, I started seeing the depression from when our son was an infant. It looked hard. I mean, I could, couldn't imagine what it was like. Your face, you look like a different person. Um, you look beyond tired. It wasn't just tiredness. It was you looked sad. You look as if you had a giant rock tied to you with it by with a chain. You know, that's what I imagined it being like. So then I started thinking, well, maybe it's, it, it is depression, but maybe it's a fate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started hearing you talk more about your childhood, you know, your, your dad, the struggles that you went through with your mom. And I started realizing that this is past trauma too, mm-hmm. you know, and there were other phases where I felt like a horrible person because when you're that close mm-hmm. to someone, you see somebody go through that, of course, you're going to feel responsible for it. It was really, I would say one of the other challenges was how are people gonna gonna see me too? Yeah. It felt like I was being exposed. You know, my wife putting it out to the world, what her personal struggles are. I, I felt like I was also exposed. That's what it was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. When when was the occasion 
or the one time, because obviously you're saying like you were seeing this pattern, but what was the one time when you're like, oh my gosh, this is serious. It wasn't one time. It was more that I would see repeated episodes happening and it just made me feel a little more at ease when you first mentioned that you wanted to talk to a professional. Um, I didn't know what would come of that. But when you would talk with me about it, it felt positive. And that, I think, put both of us a little more at ease. Was mental health a topic in your family? No. Um, My mom, well, first of all, my dad wasn't really involved with with our family until the time I was about six or seven years old, which is the time we got together and worked at the restaurant. So it was mostly uh, watching my mom. And she would, I'm sure she would go through depression. You know, growing up with two kids by herself, my father not being present. But my mom would do a good job at hiding them. I never suspected that she was depressed. I've never seen her cry, at least not in front of her. And if I remember talking to my mom one day, and I think we talked about this before, where I, it was a Sunday night. I had school the next day, and I had this feeling of sadness out of nowhere. I didn't know what it was. And I, I told that to my mom. I said, why, why am I feeling sad? This is weird. And what he told me was, you shouldn't be having these types of feelings. And this, I'm not trying to put my, my mom down in any negative way, because it felt nurturing what she was telling me. It wasn't that she was telling me not to feel like this. It was more like she returned. Why would a six-year-old kid be talking about this? And I think that was maybe growing up with a little bit of social anxiety is probably what I was experiencing. So it wasn't really talked about that to your question. Yeah. Um, so when I told you, and I don't even know how I even like came because mental mental health was never a topic for me either. I didn't even know that there was assistance. So I don't even know how I came up with this idea that I was gonna go seek for help. Um, but when I told you that I was thinking about getting assistance, and I'm gonna bring up the story that I already shared in one of my episodes where you and I were supposed to go hiking and we got in a minor argument and then it escalated for from uh, it escalated to me shouting in your face while you were driving um so when i asked when i told you that i was thinking about seeking for help with my mental health what did you think of like what is what did that mean for you well I wasn't sure if you were going to follow through with it. That's what what my first thought was. I was hoping that you would because I don't see that as anything to be ashamed of. Um, It just feels good to talk to someone regardless. So I was just hoping to follow through, definitely. And then what was your journey um, after seeing me receive help from my therapist? Like after having my calls, like what were you witnessing from the beginning to now? It was hard um, to be completely honest because around that time is when you started sharing your journey, your feelings, you know, your depression. That's when I sort of felt in a way like it was saying, this is what you get. I'm going to tell the world that I'm depressed. That's what you get for being a bad husband or a bad person. That's what it felt like at first. I felt very attacked. And I felt like my uh, personal life would be put out in the public. 
yeah. That's the first initial feeling I had. So see, that's what it, like, sometimes I feel like, I don't know if I shared this, I've said this to you before, but sometimes I wish that we had like little uh, cameras of our, of our brains, because mm-hmm. obviously you and I were going in two different directions, right? My situation was more like, wow, I'm getting all this amazing help. And why was I discouraged to see for this type of help? Or why doesn't anybody talk about this? So I wanted to share that journey with others. Yes. And in your situation yeah. was completely different. Yeah. And I think it's just, you're always going to feel guilty. You're always going to feel like it's a little bit your fault because you're the person that's living with the person going through this. And it's easy to point fingers and say, oh, he must be causing this when there's a lot more to it. You know, every couple has these differences and arguments, but a lot of it, I understand now, has to do with your issues with your with your father, your relationship with him, just personal trauma growing mm-hmm. up. But just to answer the question, that's that's what I felt like at first. That was like the initial uh, sort of reaction that I had is I didn't want people to know all this personal business of ours because you know your personal business is also my life. Yeah. And now, based on what you see from the outside on my social media platform, even in my podcast, uh, do you feel differently about it? Really? Yeah. Um, it started changing my perspective when it wasn't about how many likes you got or how many followers you got. What really affected your, your, you wanting to continue was what people told you. People started telling you that they could relate to you, that it was helping them. They were healing and they appreciated what you were doing. And then I understood a lot better what this was about. This was about helping other people and creating a community that can share and talk about these different, you know, mental trauma. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about people, friends, family, or even strangers if, if, if it got into that point that they question you about what I'm doing with the podcast and Instagram? To be honest, I haven't had people question me. Um, the one comment that I had was from my mom because she was concerned. She, she asked me, is Jessica okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anybody else has commented to me because maybe they don't want to offend me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I haven't had much comments about that. But now, you know, on these different um, podcast channels, and you being a guest on other people's podcasts and just the type of reaction you're getting, the type of uh, appreciation you're getting from people, it's a lot different now. I think now... The reaction will be more more about you know um, how big is, is uh, of a help is Jessica going to be? <laughs> the people is she going to keep growing? I think people are more excited now. Yeah, um, I think that there's a lot more awareness now than like it's constantly growing around mental health. That I feel that those comments are not um, as common anymore, like they were mm-hmm. at the very beginning, because um, I think people were concerned. Uh, from th- for those that didn't understand what I was doing, and it's okay, it's completely okay that didn't understand what I was doing. And uh, one of the other things that I often say on my podcast, as well as Instagram and TikTok, is that 
I don't have a specific agenda of or a specific um, structure of what I'm going to talk on my episodes because I go along with my emotions. I try to use those emotions to bring awareness to, you know, if I'm feeling that, I'm pretty sure that someone else is feeling the same way. Um, and at the very beginning, it could have been a lot more raw, more uh, when I was a little bit more down. Um, I feel like I have done a lot of healing um, and a lot of that happiness is shining through a little bit more. Um, but now that you mentioned that I have been interviewed at other podcasts um, with, with other podcasters, um, recently you and I have experienced um, traveling or driving down to downtown LA to this beautiful area with uh, mm -hmm. First Gen Co. Um, that was a pretty awesome experience. Um, yep. Although you were not interviewed with me, how mm -hmm. did you feel? What was your experience and how did you feel about that? You looked completely in your comfort zone. I mean, it's always a little bit nerve wracking, you know, when you do something like that. But in the bigger picture, it feels like you're, I thought you're, you're this is what you're meant to do. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. I was like, yeah, she's nervous. That's normal. But this is your thing. Yeah. Um, I do want to say thank you so much for uh, keeping me grounded because uh this was the first time that i did like a live podcast where i saw cameras and lights and it did freak me out a little bit i almost threw up like three times <laughs> 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 so thank you for keeping me grounded um let's see um is there anything that you would like to share um as far as i don't know anything about me on this podcast hmm off the top of my head um, I'm just proud of what you've done, and I believe in you. I know that this could become something that can go as far as you want to take it. Thanks. Um, I <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you or tell you anything because I was going to get emotional. Do it. <laughs> I know that it's not easy for for someone to be on the other side of someone that is struggling with um, mental health challenges. And I want to take this time to thank you for being my support system in all of this, because I feel like you have witnessed the most. I feel like you are the one that knows the most about my life. Um, and if I share these things with you is because I obviously trust you. And I don't think that I would have been able to follow through this journey if I didn't have you as my support system. So I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Oh, gosh. <laughs> always, always going to be your support. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to go ahead and close it out by asking you that one famous question. What is something you wish you knew then that you would oh, like man. to share? I totally didn't prepare for this. Um, okay. Something I wish I knew then. I did throw you off. I didn't prepare yeah, you for I, this. I didn't prepare. Um... <laughs> that not everyone has a bad intent. It's just that because I had social anxiety growing up, a lot of times I would presume that people can't be trusted. And later on, it, my relationship got it open to people that were worthy of a friendship. And those are things that I would have knew then. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I hope you had fun. And thank you for joining me on my podcast. Very welcome. Very happy to be a part of this journey with you. Love you, babe. Love you. Thank you again for tuning in to Vida I Wish I Knew Then. 
I appreciate your support and hope to continue providing valuable insights and inspiration. I invite you to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Your reviews will help this podcast reach more modern Latinas like yourself who are on a mission to break through barriers. Also follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Vida underscore with underscore Jess to stay updated on the latest episodes and behind the scenes content. Recuerda, we're all on a journey of growth and self-discovery and we're here to support each other. Las quiero mucho.